The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Are you ready for a break? Uh, Yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. It is Wednesday, October 13th, 2021, Season 17, Episode number 40. Welcome to the latest edition of The Break, live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. i got Dave and Nick with me. Uh, we're going to be joined by Bucky Brooks here in a bit, talk a little bit about the New England Patriots offense versus the Dallas defense. Before we do that, though, there are a couple news and notes that we want to hit. Let's start first with injuries. Uh, what are we k- keeping an eye on this week, Dave? You just came from the coaches' press conference. Who are the guys we're kind of monitoring this week? We're keeping an eye on guys coming back, Derek. Oh, Who, who's coming back? Uh, well, coming back might be premature, but they're starting. They're starting their journey back. Kelvin okay. Joseph is going to be limited in practice today. Donovan Wilson is another one. Let's go. I'm blanking on the third. There was a third. Sean McCune. Sean McCune. Thank you. You see, you know, it's on the internet. You you're got my, an internet you're connection. You're my reporter. I'm, li- I'm like making sure my reports are right. I knew there was a third guy. It's Sean McCune. So those three will be limited in practice. Um, he can't practice, but we know it sounds. I think the Lyle Collins saga is finally over. <laughs> and so he's not going to be available this week, but he'll be available next week. So that's four guys that at least have a chance to be available for you after the bye week, which is exciting. Start getting Gallup. guys back. I wonder about that, too. Um, I do know McCarthy told me I asked him about that last week and he said he thought it would be a stretch that he'd be ready for New England. Um, so obviously not going to happen. I get pro- maybe something to watch when we get back from the so, bye. So to get those guys back, McEwen, Joseph. They don't have to be on the roster right now. Yeah, they could be. They, they you have a three-week. This starts their 21-day. You have yeah. a three-week exemption for them to get acclimated, so you don't have to do anything right now. Um, Good. And Gallimore is not in that group, I guess. Stephen Jones said last week that Gallimore and DeMarcus were still another month away, which I know – Kind of rubbed some people the wrong way with Gallimore because it was it was diagnosed as an eight week injury on August fourteenth, and it's been about eight weeks, so he he needs a little bit longer. That Mike McCarthy said it's not a setback, just maybe they were a little optimistic with their timeline. But um, good part is that you don't feel like you got. I, I was going to say like, that any of these guys, you don't feel like oh my god, we got to get this guy back, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, I. He he was playing pretty well. I mean, I would yeah. like, but again, if you don't have your elbow strength to to do what you need to do as a defensive tackle, then you're not going to be as effective. Yeah, the, I I think the way I look at this is, and I, I agree with you. I think when he comes back, he's going to give them a boost. Obviously, Tank gives them a boost. Some of these other guys will give them a boost. The way I look at it though is, if those guys are healthy and fresh in November, that's a good thing for this team because, like as you guys, you guys both mentioned this earlier this week, like. There are more injuries that are coming because that's the nature of football, right? So if other guys are going out and those guys are coming in, or if those guys, or if there aren't a lot of other injuries and those guys are coming back and they provide depth or are jumping in and playing in rotations and they're fresh, like that's a great thing to have in yeah. November and December of an NFL season. Yep. 
Yeah. I want to see Kelvin Joseph. Uh, I, I do. I mean, I want him to get in there and, and play and figure. They need to figure out how to do that. Um, I, I just feel like the way this offense is, they're going to score some points. You're going to give up some plays with him, but he needs to get in there. And they, at, at some point this year, and I think it'll happen, like you said, nature of injuries and all that, I think at some point he needs to they get to the offseason they need to have a good understanding of the type of player that he is. Because if you – I mean – don't want to get too much into the weeds for the no. Draft. Let's talk draft. Let's go, but Nick. Come on, you do because they, they they were like they got to have a corner, got to have a corner. Didn't yeah. work out. Took a linebacker. I think that they're so happy that they did. They they took corners in second round. We're talking corner round. all over again. Right. Let's do it. Well, I'm fi- and, and I'm I fine. think you know you'll be picking. They're going to be picking in the twenties. Uh, okay, they'll be picking back there. That the, this 32? is a good football team. They'll Stop. be they'll be picking back there. You know and. Do you go that route again? You just yeah. need to know. You need to have an idea of what Joseph is. So I, I think at some point you got to figure out ways to play him. I love that point. Although I agree with you, but even if I mean if they don't have an idea of what he is, it's not going to. I mean, if if the cornerback's there for you in the draft, do it. I don't care. I mean, That's true. Anthony Brown. That's true. He's, I mean, all, he's just, only on a three year deal. Jordan's only on a three year deal. Just, just throw throw resources at the problem until it's fixed. Yeah. But that's, yeah, we can do. Somebody somebody DM'd me the other day and was like, "When's the draft show coming back?" I was like, "We're on a four game winning streak, man. It's the season. Who wants to talk draft right now? That's for bad teams." We did. God, I, we were getting those tweets in September last year, yeah. and, and understandably, we the show in December. Yeah, and, and I, me and Nick were actually just having mm-hmm. this conversation yesterday. Like, and I don't think we're starting that show until at the earliest, maybe late January. I don't want to do February. Yeah. Like, I don't, we got we got something else to talk about, right? I don't want to talk draft until after Valentine's Day, preferably. <laughs> let's <laughs> go. Let's take some time. Let's, let's take go. some time. Hey, real quick, I did want to ask you this question, Nick. You and I talked a little bit about this more this uh, earlier this morning off air, Mike McCarthy, and I. I heard that there was a que- there was a question during the press conference about Kellen Moore saying that. One of Mike McCarthy's strengths is his ability to stay even. Good, bad times, he's an even, steady leader, which I think is a great characteristic for a leader to have. One of the things I wanted to ask you guys about is, do you think right now not enough credit is being given to Mike McCarthy for where his team is? Because I think we talk a lot. We do it as well, but I think just nationally, locally, everyone talks a lot about the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator, um, and how well they are doing, how well the players are doing. They're four and one. They're on a four-game win streak, but rarely do we hear people talk about Mike McCarthy and what he contributes to that. And I'm a personal believer that if a head coach has a team that's four and one, he has some should receive some credit. How much? And do you think he's being overlooked? I do think, uh, yeah, I think that he's being overlooked for that. Um, I think he deserves more credit. Um, but you know, that's just that's just kind of the way that it's evolved here. And I'm not saying with all coaches. I don't know if it has something to do with personality or what. I, I don't know what it is. It's just that, you know, Dan Quinn's the, the fun guy, whereas the camo, everyone lo- lo- loves, you know, listen to him. Kellen, I mean, it's different than that. But, I mean, Kellen is just, you know, he's, he's kind of the offense is, is rolling right now. And because those guys have kind of doing their thing, I think it's easy to say, well, what is McCarthy doing, you know, other than kind of overseeing all of it? But, um, you know, he, he gets blamed for clock management, but nothing has, nothing has hurt him at this point. Um, this year, last year sort of did. But so, I, yeah, I, I do think that he's, he's not getting the, the credit that, that he deserves. And I don't know when that'll happen. I don't know how many games they have to win to do that. Well, I think, I think you're right. And 
it's only natural. I think people tie your worth to what they can see you doing mm -hmm. for the window of time that you're visible to them. And to well, most people, the vast majority, even re really, especially in COVID times, even us, how much do we see McCarthy in person outside of like the press conferences and game day? You know, it, we, it's not the same. And so Sean Payton is my go-to because I grew up following that team and he gets so, and rightfully so, he gets so much credit. He calls the plays. He's, he's doing this, that, and the other. And so it's easy to be like, this is what he does for you on game day. Uh, but there's credit to be given for just overseeing everything. Great. You, you do not know, I'm talking to Derek for people that aren't watching this, you do not know what is going on as intricately on a day-to-day -day basis as like Nick and I do. You trust us to do that. Mm -hmm. That's our jobs, right? But you still get credit for what our what we do as a department and the ideas that we have. And you go up to people higher than you and they say, how's that going? You're like, it's going pretty good. Like my guy's got it. And you, I mean, that's how this all works. I just think it's it's easier to give people credit for what you can see during a game. And I'll I'll openly say it. I I don't know what all Mike McCarthy does that gives you an edge on game day, except for maybe his decision-making, which is sometimes suspect. But I do appreciate the aggressive nature of it. Um, but absolutely, Monday to Saturday, I definitely it feels like he's got this calming presence, and, and I think he deserves credit for that, even though we don't really get to see a lot of it. So I, I've never thought about this before, but why do you think that there's a coach out there who – had a team for a long time, had a Hall of Fame quarterback. They won one Super Bowl um, together in a long time. Why do you think that Sean Payton is viewed the way he is and Mike McCarthy is viewed the way he is when they the resumes are kind of similar in, in, in those regards about winning championships Which and all it, that? And, and the, the M.O., the, the rap sheet on McCarthy coming out of Green Bay is that they squandered Rodgers. Like, they should have won more than one Super Bowl. Right. but Which is so crazy. They won yeah. one, but they well, should have won more. But Brady, what about, Brady ruined it for right. everyone. No, but yeah, that's right. my, nobody really thinks that about Peyton, and the resume is very, Which very is similar. Weird. Yeah. 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 I don't have an answer to that. Perception um, is a hell of a thing. I will say this. I do I do remember reading that there were people in Green Bay who followed that team that felt like some of the same things that we've talked about here with regards to game management were issues there. So that could also be yeah. part of it where they felt like decisions that were being made in-game actually affected their ability to win more championships, and they put that on Mike McCarthy. Right. Fair or not, that, that yeah. may be a perception. Yeah, and, and I just – I, I think you said it best about, you know, sometimes when you, you're doing your job and you're saying, hey, I'm going to let you do your thing. I'm not going to micromanage you. I'm going to get the hell out of the way mm -hmm. and let you do your job. Mm -hmm. And then it's like if the people like you, then they'll, they'll say, oh, you know, good job. Way, way, to, way to not step mm -hmm. on anyone's toes. But if they don't, they're like, what did you do? You right. didn't really do anything. Right. You know, and that's, and that's the way it is. I mean, you know, it's what we talked about. He comes in here and he says – What's what 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 I, what I got? Well, I got this young offensive coordinator who works well with the quarterback. We got something going here. Okay. Well, even though I know quarterbacks and I know offenses, I ain't really gonna mess this up. I'm gonna hire this guy that I know to be my defensive coordinator. We're gonna have to go through COVID together, and he can do it. Well, they didn't. It sucked, and he had to fire him. He didn't want it, but he had to because it was so bad. Well, 
go get another guy. I got another guy that that wants to come here, and this guy knows what he's talking about. And I'm gonna let him do his thing. So I think he he should get some credit here, yeah. um, a little bit more than he. And I think if they win, I think it'll continue to come. I'll give him all the credit in the world. I'm sure there's no way you accomplish what Mike McCarthy's accomplished without having a bit of an ego about it. And so much in the NFL is driven by ego. I haven't seen it. Like he doesn't come across that way. He let he's letting Kellen Moore call the shots on offense and being very open about it and very complimentary of what a good job he's doing. Fired a guy that he had a history with in Mike Nolan. I mean, how how I don't like you pointing at me and saying fire. fire. Sorry, I'm sorry. I was <laughs> gesturing that you, that you made know, the point. I know, but when you said fired a guy and pointed at yeah, me, sorry, I don't like sorry, that. No, I got, nobody I got likes that. Nobody likes it. Um, <laughs> sorry, but like it, how how easy is it to imagine? I can picture it in my head. Mike McCarthy's like, well, this, that, and the other reasons are why we were bad. It's not Mike Nolan, and we're just going to stay the course, and it'll be better next year. That is such an NFL thing. Yeah. And he didn't do it. He was like, nope, you got to go, and I'm going to hire this guy who comes highly recommended who I don't have as much of a relationship with. Um, I could probably think of half a dozen other examples. Uh, he was a good sport about hard knocks, even if he probably didn't love it. <laughs> um, yeah, I just – he he's done. I think he's done a remarkable job of just kind of being like, yeah, no egos here. I'm I'm okay. And and I will also say, and I think this a lot of the credit goes to the players, but also I think a part of leadership is creating an environment where your team is willing to accept the fact that they don't have to be the ones getting the credit right. all the time. And point. we talk about this all the time. Like this is an offense that's built around a number of parts that any one of them could go to another team and be the man. And they have all somehow decided. For the better of the team, I'll be the man once every four games or once every three games or once every six games because at the end of the day, I want team success. That's about leadership. Yeah. And that's about leadership that, that starts with the head coach and then filters down to the team. Well, uh, let's also just remember this, and I hope hopefully it doesn't happen soon or at all, but it probably will. They're going to lose a game. Somebody, when they lose a game, Someone's going to have two catches for 19 yards, or some somebody. You know, maybe Zeke didn't have a big game, or yeah. Pollard didn't have a big game. You know, let's see what what happens then. I'm not saying the bottom will drop off when that happens. I just, I just, when it's four, you know, when you're four and one, and you know, you've won four straight. Yeah, everything's rosy. Well, we we've already kind of seen that. Week one, they didn't run the ball. Zeke didn't do much. Right. And then in week two, you saw Pollard like going crazy. So there were moments when Zeke could have been like, "Say, hey, man, what, yeah. what's going on with me?" Right. And and I don't think that happened. And I also think. This fast start could wind up being a great thing because a rough patch is coming, right? Eventually, Always. for some, yeah. yeah. But the fact that you've been able to stack four wins like this at the start of the season, you can point back to that later and say, like, we we're okay, we're, yeah. we got this. It might not have been clicking these last two weeks because there's a couple stretches on the schedule where I'm like, yeah, there's. I mean, mm-hmm. bumpiness could be in store, but at least you have the good times that you can kind of. Fall this back is, on. this is one of them I think this is one of those games where I, it, it's like they should win they, I think that they are more talented they, they they're head and shoulders better I think at quarterback you know I I know Mac Jones is going to be good uh if he's not decent right now but I think you know you've got the advantage there you've got talent all across the board you should be able to win um this game but but you're going up against one of the best no you're going up against the best coach in NFL history, I think. Can we say that? I think he's, I would. yeah, I would think there's an argument certainly can be made. I don't think anybody can just be like, that's stupid, right? Yeah. Because they, you know, 
Yes, he he won all those, and he had yeah. Brady, and we we'll see where Brady's has success with that. I mean, there are guys that have their names on the actual trophy that you like. He, but he's in that level of yeah. conversation, like the Lombardi. You, you ever think the, about that? Like, like when should we start changing that? In in certain, you don't change that. Ever. You can't change that. No, okay, not the Lombardi trophy, yeah. but you know, there's there's other there's other trophies in other sports. Right. You know, the Bill Russell Award, and so I mean, when do we ever change that? You don't. That's you don't. the history. Like the history is, you keep that that person's name alive because they were so great. At what they did, yeah. right? That's the whole point of naming a trophy. That's why you don't take that for granted. You like you always name that after somebody who is legendary. I mean, legitimately legendary. Wait, like, what? like what? Heisman? Yeah, who? Not, was, it, no, yeah. it's the Heisman. I, I, I don't. No, no. What I, are you going to call it? The Bush? I mean, yeah. like, what are we? Well, what are we can, doing? You I know, can't just, call I'm, it that. They won't give it yeah, back to him. I, yeah. I know, right? Yeah, I was thinking like that. Who who would you give it to? I mean, it had to be a two time winner. I mean, if y'all want to name it the Burrow, I'm all for yeah. it. Let's go. That's okay with me. <laughs> no complaints over there, right? No, I'm all right. All right. We're going to take awesome. our first break. When we come back, we got, Bucky, Book. Bucky, we go. we got Bucky Brooks on the line. We'll get to a little uh, talk on the New England Patriots offense versus Dallas defense. We'll be back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio. Before there was a draft, you could size up a cowboy by three simple factors. The crease in his hat, the bend of his brim, and his unbending attitude. A man Stetson didn't just protect him from what life threw at him. It projected a rugged, unstoppable spirit. Stetson hats are still American-made with pride right here in Texas. They're still the unofficial crown of all self-respecting cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find a retailer nearest you at stetson.com cowboys. The Cowboys way, where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like, where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day, where we are all defined by one single thing, the star, where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black? Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks. Free shipping. Honey, big news. Gary, are you okay? Oh, I'm not Gary anymore. I'm Jackie Flash. What? See, I want the latest smartphone, but the best deals are only for new customers. So to get a new customer deal, I changed my name to Jackie Flash. Okay, but the best smartphone deals at AT AT&T are for everyone, new and existing customers. That's huge. Then guess who's getting a deal? Is it Jackie Flash? Jackie Flash. It's not complicated. At AT&T, our best smartphone deals are for everyone. Restrictions apply. Visit att.com for details. Back to the break. Join the NFL in supporting our nation's service members by wearing the latest Dallas Cowboys salute to service gear. Visit your local Dallas Cowboys Pro Shop or shop.dallascowboys.com. A fanatics experience to find the full assortment of salute to service gear. Welcome back to the second segment of the break. Live from SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. Got Bucky Brooks on the line, ready to talk a little New England offense versus Dallas defense. And Bucky, let's start first with this is a team uh, in New England that I think for a lot of Cowboys fans is is pretty unknown. They don't have a lot of big names, particularly on their offensive side of the ball. 
If not not including the quarterback, who would you say is the most dangerous weapon that Cowboys fans need to know about going into this game on the offensive side of the ball? Uh, Josh McDaniels, the <laughs> offensive coordinator, because because the players are just a hodgepodge of good players. I wouldn't say great players. Uh, the team expected the offensive line to be the strength of the program, but the offensive line has not played that well. Now I will say this: they were out of. They're without four starters against the Houston Texans. So you don't really know what it's going to look like um, due to the injuries that they've been hit with. But really, it, it, it kind of reminds me of the early 2000s Patriots where you look up and you don't really know who the personnel is, but they find a way to win games. The problem is they haven't won games like that because they shouldn't have won last Sunday. Mm. Um, I was going to go to the Cowboys defense for a second. I mean – when who who do you compare Trayvon Diggs to right now? Like whether it be in the league or old school corners. I mean, have you seen anybody play like this at this young into a career? Uh, he reminds me of Akeem Talib. If you go back and look at Akeem Talib when he was coming out of Kansas, Akeem Talib had a very similar background. Offensive player, moved the defense, understands how to uh, read routes and do those things, but then has outstanding hands. I think the funny thing for me when I look at Trayvon Diggs is I was around him when he was a high school wide receiver and watching him run routes and watching him catch passes and then watching him flip and go on the other side, you see all of those skills translate. Fear from other corners when the ball is in the air because they can't figure out where the ball is going or how to judge it in flight. He plays it like a wide receiver. And so he is exactly what you want to see in a conversion prospect, meaning a guy who converts from wide receiver to DB. You want to see them pick up the skills of a defensive back while retaining the ball skills of a wide receiver. Trayvon Diggs has that. And so that has made him a very dangerous playmaker on the backside because I don't think anybody expected the game to click for him this early in his career, but you got to give him his props because he is playing at a high level. Hey, Bucky, thinking back to March, the Patriots gave a lot of money to Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith, and the the talking point was kind of, oh, they're going back to a decade ago when they had Hernandez and Gronk together, and they were kind of revolutionizing passing out of 12 personnel and being able to do this, that, and the other with these tight ends. I don't get the impression from the little I know about the Patriots that it's really working that well so far. Uh, am I mistaken about that, or, or what do these what do these guys look like in this offense? Well, I mean, it's still a team in transition. I will say this about the Patriots: the Patriots do this better than anybody else in the league, and they've always done it. The way they start a season isn't necessarily the way they end the season in terms of the way they game plan and the way they kind of build their team and build how they go about their approach each week. And so the first part of the season for them is really much like the preseason. Who are the players? Who are the guys that we can lean on? And then once they figure out their best course of action, they then build the plan. Early in the year, John Smith and Hunter Henry have not been contributors. Some of that is on the quarterback. Some of that is just the way the game is played out. But those guys have not been as big as we expected, uh, a bigger part of the team as we expected uh, in the preseason. But they can line up in 12 personnel, one back, two tight ends, two wide receivers, and become difference makers. You just never know because this is a team that their game plans are like snowflakes. They never look the same on a week-to-week basis. So this could be the week that we see more 12 personnel and watch those two guys go off. 
Hey, Bucky, as I was uh, doing some study on this on the New England Patriot offense, I noticed something really interesting. They actually throw the ball a lot relative to the rest of the league. They're eighth right now in passing attempts. They also run the ball as little as like one of the lower teams in the league. They're 28th in rushing attempts. Is this a situation where this is happening because it's a strategic decision for them, or is this just the nature of the games that they've been in and they've just been in situations where they've had to pass a lot more than they've run? Uh, the struggles of the offensive line have prevented them from playing the way they wanted to play. Uh, they would like to get in 21 personnel and kind of run it and pound it and grind it out. They haven't been able to do it. And so when you watch the Patriots, the Patriots kind of operate like a service academy when it comes to their approach. They're what we call a sequential play calling team. So they start the game out, and if something doesn't work, then they'll go, hey, let's spread it out. Let's go empty. Let's go quick dink and dump game. If we can't get that, let's go to the screen game. If we can't get that, let's go to the tricks and gadgets to try and create an explosive play. And so as you're watching them, you will see them just kind of go down this checklist if they're getting stopped early. And whatever they hit on, they tend to stay in. And so they haven't been able to successfully maintain an identity because they just haven't had those successful drives Mm. down after down, week after week after week. And so that's why they're a bit of a hodgepodge on offense right now. When when I look at the quarterbacks, uh, Alabama, that they've had, you know, especially under Saban, most of them haven't had a ton of, of success. I guess the jury's still out on on Tua and all that. But but what, what did you like, or what did you? How did you evaluate Mac Jones? He's got all the talent around him. What, what did you see from him when he was coming out? Were, were you a big fan of his? Uh, in this quarterback class of Avengers, right? Superheroes. Mm-hmm. I call Mac Jones Iron Man because Mac Jones' superpower is nothing innate that he has. It's all the suit. It's all everything that is around him. It is the supporting cast. It is the coaching staff. It's the plan. And what he does is he distributes the ball to the open guy. But if you ask Mac Jones to do it by himself, he doesn't have any special talents. When you think about Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, they all had extraordinary individual powers, whether it was the arm talent, the athleticism, uh, something about them that allowed them to dominate a game on their own. Mac Jones doesn't have that. Now, we can talk about his IQ and his ability to process, but that's not necessarily a superpower in the same light. So he was dependent upon the system and where he landed more than any other quarterback. Now, he landed in a perfect system for him, but if the game ever gets out of whack where they can't protect it or they can't call it on the script, Mac Jones is helpless. He doesn't have that ability to get you right. So he is a guy who needs everything around him to be right, and he can deal in that vein. But if it becomes a sandlot football game, Mac Jones can't thrive in that environment because that's not how he's built. Along that same line, I can't help but notice, I don't think he's even averaging seven yards per attempt this season. Um, just a lot of short stuff. I know everybody made a big deal. I don't. He was averaging five yards per attempt against the Bucks the other day. Is that is it an unwillingness to take shots that are there? I'm sure they don't want him taking a lot of risks given his level of experience, but what does it look like on film to you? Is it like a reluctance? Can the Cowboys afford to sit on everything short? What's it look like? Uh, it's a combination of factors. I'm not saying that he won't push the ball down the field. I don't think he has the playmakers that will allow him to push it down the field. 
when we line up and the first thing that Dan Quinn and the staff have to do is they got to look at, okay, who are the threats? Who are the guys that can hurt us? They have Nelson Aguilar. They have Kendrick Bourne. They have Jacoby Myers. Then they have the two tight ends, John o. Smith and Hunter Henry. If you privately ask the Cowboys defenders, who are they scared of? None of them. And so what they have to do is they have to spread you out and see if they can catch you in zone coverage and beat you a bunch of five- and six-yard routes, and eventually you miss a tackle. That turns to 15 yards, and they methodically drive it down the field. But this is a team that lacks the explosive playmaking power of some of the other teams. That's why we see the double passes, the uh, flea flickers, the reverse throws, because the only way they can generate chunk plays is by deception and misdirection. They don't have the ability to line up and say, we're better than your guy on the outside, so we're going to throw it over your head. And so that has made Mac Jones have to be a dink and dunk passer because the talent around him doesn't allow him to push it down the field. So, uh, Bucky, one of my favorite things that, that you've uh, done uh, this year and added to uh, your staple of writing is the, your Blue Chips article. These are the best players on the other team. Tell me who the studs are. Um, every week that you've done it, it's been like eight to ten guys. So do they have eight to ten guys? I mean, are you, I mean, do they have that many what you would call Blue Chip players? No, they don't. They don't. They don't have that many guys. So typically, the so your blue article chip, should, should, the should blue be chip in pretty quick. Comes from, <laughs> oh, it, it it might be a pair. Most of their players are on the defensive side of the ball. They have about okay. four or yeah. five guys. But it takes eight to twelve blue chip guys to field a championship team. This is a team that is probably sitting at six, maybe seven, and that's being very generous when you compare their players to the players around the league. It has always been the system, and maybe now I have to say, maybe Tom Brady did really elevate the team more than I gave him credit for, but right now, this is not a team that has a lot of A-level players. They win because they typically excel at the DBOs. Don't beat ourselves. Penalties, turnovers, those things, explosive plays, when they don't give those things up, they put it on you to beat them, and more times than not, teams mess it up by making mistakes. Just look at the Houston game. Mm-hmm. Houston was better, but they messed it up. Mm-hmm. Not that the Patriots necessarily went out and beat them. Yep. All right, Buck, we're going to let you go, man. We're going to get back with you tomorrow. We'll talk more about this defense, the Patriots defense versus the Cowboys offense. Uh, we're going to also take our final break right now. We'll come back. And I have a question for these guys about Micah Parsons. Where is he best used in general? And where is he best used this week, at linebacker or defensive end? We'll talk about that when we come back. This is DallasCowboys.com yes. Radio. Hi, I'm Clint Tillerson with United Ag and Turf. Before you can park yourself in front of the game, park yourself in a John Deere and power through your chores. Our Land Run package is a 1025R, 25-horsepower tractor with a loader, rotary cutter, and a box blade for $229 a month. And the price you see is the price you'll pay. No surprises. So don't miss another kickoff. Visit unitedagandturf.com. Offer ends February 1st, 2021. Restrictions apply. See dealer for details. Now let's get to work. Honey, big news. Gary, are you okay? Oh, I'm not Gary anymore. I'm Jackie Flash. What? See, I want the latest smartphone, but the best deals are only for new customers. So to get a new customer deal, I changed my name to Jackie Flash. Okay, but the best smartphone deals at AT AT&T are for everyone, new and existing customers. That's huge. Then guess who's getting a deal? Is it Jackie Flash? Jackie Flash. It's not complicated. At AT AT&T, our best smartphone deals are for everyone. Restrictions apply. Visit att.com for details. New Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. You deserve it. I do deserve that. 
you deserve decadent flavor without sugar and a day at the beach without sand getting everywhere and a relaxing bath that your children don't interrupt. I deserve all that? It's really just a visual metaphor for Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. Everything you want, nothing you don't. A visual metaphor on the radio. I do deserve that. Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. The zero you deserve is finally here. Before there was a draft, you could size up a cowboy by three simple factors. The crease in his hat, the bend of his brim, and his unbending attitude. A man Stetson didn't just protect him from what life threw at him. It projected a rugged, unstoppable spirit. Stetson hats are still American-made with pride right here in Texas. They're still the unofficial crown of all self-respecting cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find a retailer nearest you at stetson.com slash cowboys. Back to the break. Get the ultimate fan experience for the ultimate Cowboys fan. Join Dallas Cowboys United, presented by Globe Life, starting at just $20. Join now and get your fan and pack, exclusive benefits, and more. Visit DallasCowboys.com slash United for details to join today. Final segment of the break, live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. Real quick, before we end the show, I did want to talk a little bit about the Dallas defense. I want to zero in a little bit on Michael Par- Michael Parsons. Uh, he led the team with eight tackles this last game. He had three quarterback hits. Um my question for you guys, is he more impactful at defensive end or at linebacker? And I want you to think about it from the standpoint. There have been now a few, a couple games where he's been primarily doing both. Where do you think he's more impactful for this team and this defense? I think there's two elements to consider there. One, I mean, rushing the passer is more impactful. Those guys make a lot of money. That's why we said when they drafted Parsons, I wasn't that thrilled about it because I was like, he's got to have a pass rushing element if this is going to be worth this pick. Uh, and then on top of that, it's just easier to see that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's easier to see what the guys are doing chasing the quarterback out of the pocket than everything that a linebacker is bringing to the table. Micah had a hell of a – they wound up scoring. It was the dry. It was mm-hmm. the same as the Cox play, um, but he stuffed a goal line run, just blew the guy up right in the hole. Um, right there at the goal line. Too, so it, and out, it's, yeah. it's not like he didn't make an impact, and I – I, I I don't love the question to be honest with you because I'm like just let the guy play football let him kind of feel this thing out I I'm I, I don't like people saying like well he needs to be at in full time or this that and the other I think I love the fact that Dan Quinn is changing what he's doing with him based on the opponent I mm-hmm. I think it's fun I think it's good for him and it's good for the Cowboys defense um, I agree 100 percent also you know when when D Law comes back. You know, and Randy's playing pretty. Randy's playing at a very high level right now too, um, just because he is pushing guys back. He's playing with strength that I, we didn't necessarily know he had. You know, like or you know, and he's he's getting a little older now, but I mean, you know, he's playing with leverage and strength. So those guys together, I can't wait to see yeah. those guys at the ends together. Um, that being said, you know I I, I want to see Parsons play linebacker, but I also love the element of him doing his thing. So I think he's a linebacker. He once he, once he starts even being more aware of what's happening, he will be sideline to sideline. He'll play even faster. But every now and again, he's going to line up in a spot you don't recognize. If they see a mismatch, he can whip this guard. He doesn't know what's coming, but it's going to come on third and nine. And I love that element. So I, I would I, I agree with Dave. I keep him the way the where he is, mostly linebacker, but occasional rushing the passer. I do, yeah. I think there should be a split every week, and it doesn't always have to be fifty fifty. Yeah, um, 
I'm 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 in favor of that. I would say this, and I, I heard somebody mention this yesterday, and I, I think it got me excited because I was like, think about it like this: once tanks back, you get into December, you get into the playoffs, and you get into passing downs. What if you had Micah, Tank kick down the defensive tackle, Osa, and Randy all rushing the passer? That gets me really excited. Yeah. And the reason why it gets me really excited is because I, I, I always go back to that Giants team that that went to the Super Bowl and won it and did it against some really great offenses that they took down along the way, including the Cowboys. And I think that the reason why they did that is because they had a front four that could get after the, the, the quarterback. And so it allowed them to be able to basically say, we can come get your quarterback and we can apply a ton of pressure with four guys. Any defense that can do that, Especially when you got guys on the back end who are ball hawks, it gives you a a really great advantage defensively, and I think that would be phenomenal. And so from that standpoint, that's not again. I agree with both you guys. I think he's going to be a defensive end. I think he's going to be a linebacker. But I love the idea on passing downs, especially when you get Demarcus back of putting him at defensive end. I don't even know if you're being imaginative enough to be honest with you, because that was a very straightforward four man front. We've already seen Dan Quinn do some goofy stuff. You could line up on a third and eight with Osa and Gallimore at tackle. Randy at right end, Tank at left end, and then just overhang Micah off of that have as a stand-up rusher. Or have him come up the gate. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. that, what that does is that makes your running back and your guard and all that stuff, that's where they're focused in. So you don't have to worry about dumping screens to these backs or whatever. They're going to have to worry about that part with him right up the middle. I don't know if we've seen it. I loved it, though. Before When Jalen was still here against the Eagles – they would mug the A-gap with Jalen on passing downs, and Micah would be rushing on the edge, and it was Curse that was playing behind all of that as kind of the guy who could catch everything if it got past him. Jalen's not that fast. Imagine doing that with Micah when you've got ends that are on the outside of it. I mean, there's just a lot of fun stuff that they can mm-hmm. do, and that's why I don't want to put Micah Parsons in a box. I want him to be able to do whatever he wants to do. Yeah. And I guess really the point of that is more once Tank is back, they can really freelance a lot more with Micah. And that means defensive end. That means linebacker. That means just wherever you want to line him up. You can line him up at safety if you want to and figure out a way to get him involved in the play. I just think you got a lot more flexibility of being able to move him around yeah. and do whatever you want to do when you get tank back. you got three guys right now that, that are playing in positions that are – you don't really know what their position is. Micah's one of them. Keanu Neal. I mean, you know his position, yep. but he, he can play it like a safety, and Jaron Curse is another. And those guys right there are giving you so much flexibility, versatility when the guys get injured. Donovan Wilson can come back, he can play safety, and you can maybe slide a guy inside. I mean, it, there's just, you got a lot of guys that I wouldn't call them tweeners, but they, they can just do multiple things. Cox, too. Like, Jabril Cox yeah. is in the. We're I mean, going to see how much they'll use him over the next There few are years. safeties in the league that, that bigger than him. But but he plays linebacker yeah, and Jaron Curse. Right, right. <laughs> is one of them. But that I mean, just the play, just to catch Daniel Jones in the fly. I mean, that was a that was a safety type explosion from the speed standpoint. Oh, I know. Okay, but it hit like a linebacker. That just gave me an idea of where the mailbag is going in the future because. People, people spent years trying to move Sean Lee to safety, and so now it's going to be Jabril Cox for sure. It's like, well, he can play safety, can he? Yeah. Well, what I, mean, I love about the team is keep like, it they, like that. they don't worry about putting labels on guys. Nope. They just line them up, and they just say, go play football. Just, you know? I, and honestly, it's a fitting week to talk about it. That's The Patriots are famous Absolutely for it. They're right. like, 
we got two cornerbacks who can handle the boundaries and everything else is kind of up for grabs. And yeah. it's I love it. It's work. It's the best way to play offenses in this day and age but, when it's so tilted the other way. And you know, this this goes for life. This isn't just football, but the best people in the world are the best are, are you know, the the best teachers. The, you know, and it, it's explaining football on a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday to get ready. Or explaining algebra, whatever it is, the mm-hmm. teachers, you know, the best teachers are the ones that know how to get that can relate things. And I got to give the credit to the Patriots for doing that. They do it on a week to week basis, yeah. and that's what Dan Quinn is doing. He's doing it in a way that these guys understand, but yet the offensive coordinators are still having trouble with it. Yep. All right, we appreciate you guys joining us. We'll be back tomorrow. We're going to jump into the New England Patriot defense versus the Cowboys offense. Still in for Nick Eman, Danny McCray. Oh yeah, that just, forty. We didn't get a chance to get our forty. 40. I, do, I don't want you know. I don't want to go upstairs and have Danny McCray like, oh, really? Our favorite mention, forty, yeah. obviously. I mean, I, I did have a T-shirt as a kid said, "Here comes the next Bill Bates." I mean, at seven That's years right. old, he was forty. I loved Bill Bates, but you know, hey, we got to watch Survivor tonight. And you by know, the way, Danny check McCray. out my guy Danny tonight on Survivor, and yeah. uh, we'll see how that goes. So far, they're just running roughshod over yeah. everybody else. So, what's uh, your favorite forty, Derek? Danny. Okay. What, did you have something you I thought, thought I was going to say? Yeah, maybe a drink or something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Devin White Not for me. This Nobody asked. My life Devin White, 40? He wore 40 at LSU. Oh, okay. so we're just we're just, we're just going to yeah, make we're it. Going like, somebody, we okay. somebody on Twitter was like, 38, John L. Williams played for Seattle. And I'm like, that's not the game. That's not what we're that's doing. You're right. I'm sorry. The <laughs> Cowboys numbers only from now on. All right, guys. We'll see you all tomorrow. Uh, this has been The Break Live on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!